Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. I'm about to just do my regular intro um, in the main body of the podcast where I talk to my guests this week. So I'm not going to do it right now so you don't have to hear it twice. But um, I just wanted to do a quick preface here. Um, I talked to Debbie Kane this week uh, um, about basically some NFL situations as it breaks down with this year's rookie class from the point of view of a Devi player someone who's a lot more heavily involved in uh, NFL prospects long before I ever get involved so I thought that'd be interesting and also I just really like talking to Kane and I also tried to lay the blame for you know anything that's going wrong in our predictions for the rookie class this year now Kane is a remarkably genial friendly person so he gave me almost no pushback on that so I thought an introduction where I point out it's incredibly unfair and my ranks literally did the same thing valuing all the running backs over all the wide receivers which you know we still think you know the the process was solid and we still have a lot of hope for these running backs but like De- Kane didn't wasn't willing to throw any shade my way and so I've got to do it on myself here like I was trying to lay it at his feet so that he would be like whoa 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 we all made that mistake and hey your ranks were the same way and there was literally just a genial man saying nice things back to me and it didn't it, so that didn't work and I'm just kind of pretty much a complete git when I do that to him because he's just too nice so I thought I would point that out since he was like too that that was entirely unfair and uh, Kane is an excellent evaluator who's given us really good content for Devi and is doing it for the in season right now um, I really enjoyed my conversation with him we broke down the Pittsburgh situation with Chase Claypool just breaking out as well as a few other situations with the different wide receivers and what we might hope to gain from the running backs this year and um, from this year's rookie class. So I hope you enjoy it. I, again, I, I always have a fun time when I bring a guest on this podcast, and uh, this was definitely no exception. So uh, in that, it was good. Yeah, that not being an exception normally sounds bad, but this wasn't an exception because I really enjoyed it. Am I being clear? I don't know. Let's get to the podcast. I appreciate you checking it out. Um, you can hit us up at Dino Crossroads on Twitter and me at PA Howdy. Uh, really appreciate it. Let's go talk to Kane for a while. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. And I write for DLF as things, I guess. Um, yeah, welcome back. Uh, this week I've got a very on-brand guest, Devi Kane from the Devi Marketplace podcast if i remember right also yep. a contributor to dlf and I'm here to teach me things about football so come on dane talk for 30 minutes because uh, i need some content here and i'm i'm running dry <laughs> no i'm just joking um yeah what's the devi marketplace podcast about um so you know just like if we're thinking about debbie players as stocks knowing that they're really not going to score any points maybe for a year or up to three years on your fantasy football 
dynasty rosters. It's really about trying to make sure that we're buying and selling players at the right time um, to make sure that we're actually, you know, gaining profit instead of losing it, because that's what normally happens if we're selling at the wrong time or buying at the wrong time. There's no reason to buy high and sell low. Um, when if you just a few weeks earlier, you could have done the exact opposite. So it's just making sure that you're just trying to play Debbie as smart as possible to making sure that you're actually accruing value rather than losing it in all of your fantasy teams. Is that the best strategy, though? Because really, I just want fantasy points to win. And it's tiny more difficult or less interesting in Devi in general because of the number of them who just like turn up in the last year and turn out to be a good player and then go to the NFL and like based on one college season and end up being a good tight end. I think Jimmy Graham did that. Or a few that convert from wide receiver and now suddenly they're a tight end. Yes. Or a basketball player becomes a tight end. I heard that happen to a guy once at the position. There seem to be a lot of tight ends that don't actually play even, you know, uh, not just a full college career, but barely a year or two before going to the NFL and turning out to be good. And um, do you feel that with tight end? Like is Devi uh, harder in some way because tight ends tend to show up late or in weird ways or am I, is that just me? <laughs> um, so I think, I think most of it stems from um, the, you know, when we're doing Debbie stuff, the biggest thing that we look at is the recruiting profile. Um, it's hard enough to get full college games on some of these guys um, and even harder to get high school games on some of these guys. Um, so at that same point, right, we're trying to figure out a high school player, how he's going to work in college. And then three years later, try and translate that to the NFL. Um, so for the most part, we're trying to follow things like rivals and 24 seven sports that aren't often giving high rankings to elite tight ends. Um, so that, that pushes them down their boards and then in turn kind of pushes them down ours as well. I really appreciate you telling me about this fictional class because honestly, yeah, like I have no idea. Like um, three sounds good. I'm, I'm hoping all three declare like I, I'm just entirely lost on Debbie guys. I really, I don't even know the names. The only guy I really know from this year's class is uh, Bateman. And that's because he played with Tyler Johnson. And so uh, I ended up looking at his stats while I was looking up Johnson. Yeah. And speaking of this year's class, so I can feel like I know something for a change. Um, what do you think of the Pittsburgh situation? I, I don't have a good segue. It's just that Chase Claypool just became, you know, the wide receiver one for eternity, as far as I can tell. And <laughs> that, that immense touchdown game. Um, were you really on Claypool and you just saw this coming and now he's better than Julio Jones? Or what, what can you tell us from your broader, longer-reaching perspective on Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, or... Chase Claypool, to be fair. Yeah, so I wasn't, got to be honest, I wasn't really on Chase Claypool. Um, in in that range, you know, in that mid-second, there was just guys that I would prefer that that I thought just played better in college. Um, I also fully didn't anticipate Claypool to uh, do what he did last week. I don't think anyone fully anticipated, right, um, four touchdowns uh, and getting all the work for for a rookie in Pittsburgh, um, especially after we're looking at a Deontay Johnson injury. And for whatever reason, Juju is um, not old Juju. I don't, I don't know how you want to phrase that, but you know, Juju's 
had difficulties this year. And then I, I once asked you if Ty, Tyler Johnson had punched one of his coaches in the nuts and none of us knew about it because that was the only explanation I could come up with. I also kind of feel that way about Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, I think he, he nut-punched someone. Like, the only thing I can come up with right now, he has an eight out of six. And that's not a point something. That's just six. Flat out six. And that's because last uh, week three, when Deontay Johnson first got injured a little bit, it rose to 8.6 um, in that one game. And every other game, it's been five or below. And so that's why he's at six. And just for comparison, the only real wide receiver comparison this year, his volume with that kind of ADOT is Robert Woods and maybe Larry Fitzgerald, but he's got slightly smaller target share. And the rest is just tight ends and occasionally a running back, speaking of tight ends. So he's operating in a really weird way for a wide receiver this year, and so is Robert Woods. But honestly, the ADOTs in, uh, on the Rams seem lower in general. That's a whole situation into itself. And at least they've been productive, like um, – was this wide receiver 15 or 16? We had a little bit of disagreement on which it was. I guess which which PPR calculation you're looking at. But, um, like, Juju's – it's really weird uh, to have a, uh, a wide receiver, and he's got, like, a 21% target share, and he's being really efficient on it. He's got, like, 1.31 yards per team pass attempt, which is hashtag good if you're not used to numbers from that stat. That's a good number. He's being efficient. Um, He's just, they're using him like a tight end, man. And did they get so tired of searching for a healthy, good tight end, they just started using their best wide receiver in that role or something? I don't know. Um, Interestingly, though, Chase Claypool has been operating at a very different depth of target from Deontay and um, Juju. Deontay was around six to eight as an dot, but Chase Claypool all season, and he's had significant target share. I ended up mentioning him last week in a positive way on this very podcast. And I think everyone kind of feels like they weren't on Claypool. It's weird. Like we all knew about him. So we had a leg up, but no one really. And there's someone out there in my seven person audience being like, I knew and good job, man. Everyone I talked to is like, yeah, I didn't not like him, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't see this. Um, but anyway, uh, Claypool's operating between 11 and 13 yards. Um, down the field so he's always been playing on the outside to put it in simple terms more than any other wide receiver on the team that makes me think with Deontay gone and Chase Claypool being a rookie that Juju's volume could see an increase and maybe fix this weird ass six a dot uh but I don't know. Am I just seeing positive light for a player I really like and had in my top 12 in Dynasty and still do and I need to justify it so badly, Kane? Um, am I just reading the tea leaves to see what I want here or what? What do you think of the – what do you think of this, man? Well, I think I think part of it, um, Deontay Johnson did practice today and he's a full participant. So uh, that muddies a, a muddy situation even more. Um but I think I think overall it was, um, you know, he just Claypool was put in situations where he could succeed and say whatever you want about uh, some of the other misses that that Pittsburgh has had. They've hit on a lot of wide receivers, and I think not only were they doing well drafting the wide receivers, but they're also putting them in situations to succeed and making sure that they're using each person's individual talents, um, which 
makes me scared for Juju, right? Like, Which makes me think Juju's the best. He can just play anywhere. So they're like, give him the role we can't find a good player for. We can't find a good tight end. Just make Juju do it. We can find good wide receivers anywhere. So let's just go find these two to play wide receiver. Right. And we'll make Juju a tight end. That's what I think. You see the way I'm turning everything around, meaning I'm right on Juju. That's, hey. that's basically the game here. Yep, that's all you got to do. No, Take the no. guy no one wants. No, I think it's true. Like I say, it's it's real clear when you look at the weekly ADAR or just the seasonal ADAR, Chase Claypool's that outside down the field guy, and he seems to be good at it. And with the loss of Deontay, even for two games, Chase Claypool's target share jumped. Last week it was insane at like 32%. And I think that has more to do with just he was playing hot. I mean, he couldn't not score a touchdown, basically. So you write it. Um, but it will come down. Obviously, he's not going to keep doing that, and especially if Deontay comes back. Um, I don't think the offense is going to support all three, though, and no matter how powerful it is and how big Ben, big ben is. I, th- I, I don't see all three. And Juju's outside the top 24 right now, so it's not like we're even arguing from continue it, even though you just dashed my hopes of it possibly boosting. Um, long-term, like dynasty wise strategy wise juju's still the one i want because now he's probably is he cheaper than the others at this point <laughs> or at least he's falling in value um and i just think he's a better player i just do okay he's done more at earlier ages um and he well, not, especially, especially they just need to get over it <laughs> especially dynasty wise it's worth mentioning that uh juju is not under contract next year for pittsburgh oh. so I think realistically, you have to imagine that there could be a different landing spot as well. Um, but to your to your record or to your point of you know Juju being cheap, yeah. So you know, there's certainly some opportunities to buy Juju. Looks like a straight up trade uh, made two days ago. Tyler Boyd for Juju straight up. <sighs> so it looks like I'm before I go to bed tonight. I'm just going to send out a bunch of trade offers for Juju and just. See what, See what happens. happens. Like it, it can't get worse. Is is my thought, right? Like Juju's already what the wide receiver thirty one, right like now. Like it, it's not like he can get worse than where he is. Uh, and to be so, clear, to be very clear, he's playing well on what he's being given. He's right. been given like. What, what did I say? I looked it up earlier. He's been given one hundred and twenty air yards or something, um, or one hundred and twenty yards after the catch. And he's got 280 total receiving yards, didn't you say? 180. 180. So, I mean, he's doing a lot of work with his 6 dot, And let's say he's being efficient, doesn't have much of a red zone presence. And I just try and keep in mind, we know he's good. We know he's a very good wide receiver. And sometimes in Dynasty, you just kind of ride that. Um, if you're a talent-centric evaluator, I guess, or you're being a talent-centric evaluator, um in this particular instance which i definitely definitely kind of am but there's no question that right now for the rest of this season it looks pretty rough like 25 percent of his games he's had seven targets or more that's not good especially with a six a dot you at least need a high amount of volume and um, if you're going to operate that close to the line of scrimmage like robert woods and uh even larry fitzgerald's got 40 percent of his games going for seven targets or more it's just not good it's not looking good for this year well, yeah, um, and to your point, um, he's caught 87%, 87.5 technically percent uh, passes that he's that that he's had his way. So it's hard for 
it's hard for us to knock him, right? He's just not getting the work. Um, but he's doing everything that he can, which so the Pittsburgh, weird, step it the up. Weird, <laughs> exactly. The weird thing about this one is usually you say, well, they earn targets where they're good, but we've seen him earn targets on the outside in one season. We've seen him earn targets in the Z and the X in the middle of the field. We've seen him do well with Deontay Johnson's role. We've seen him do well with Antonio Brown's like all of it. And now they're just like, hey, go do this unimportant role for us. Or maybe it's really important, and that's why they're putting a good player there. I don't know how that offense functions. I'm not going to pretend to. But that's what's happening right now, and it has low fantasy value. But for Dynasty, you just you just have to remember this guy's good. And maybe he's the next Emmanuel Sanders, and he trades out, <laughs> I guess. And it does kind of bring up all the questions around whether how much you waste situation into evaluations or dynasty picks or Devi evaluations or anything because Claypool, none of us were really on him, I guess, because we're like, we see some potential, but how do you possibly get targets there in Pittsburgh, I guess, which we should always fade because I really think, especially with rookie dynasty or Devi picks, you should be more talent process-wise because the one thing I do know is going to change and that we're not going to predict accurately is situation, whether it's through injuries or guys not being as good as we thought or guys being better than we thought or a team suddenly being a run-heavy offense. The situation is guaranteed to be different, and so that's always the easiest to X out uh, of what I think of a player. Um, But, yeah, the other thing that's tearing me up about this year's rookie class is I actually got something right as I identified T. Higgins as kind of an A.J. Brown in this class in that I liked him. Nothing bad to say. In fact, I would say he was a top-tier player in that class, but he was always falling out of where my draft pick fell. And it's something that helps me keep in mind when we talk about, you know, getting shares of players. Essentially, we should really be talking about if you have one pick in one round, that's the decision most people are faced with. So you can't like have T Higgins in your other four leagues and, you know, AJ Brown in your other six. Mostly we should really think about how difficult it is to choose one player. So you end up going for Jalen Regal this year and T Higgins hits, but you liked both. And that's a really sucky part about dynasty. But luckily this year, um, I noticed that he was a player who's just falling out of where my pick was and he wasn't someone I was intentionally trading for because he wasn't Jalen Regor, Justin Jefferson, or I guess CeeDee Lamb, but everyone had him as the one. So it was hard to get. Um, and he was never falling to where my next picks were going. And so I was either faced with not having any T. Higgins or I would have to intentionally invent or in, intentionally go out to get those picks. Maybe instead of going up for Jefferson, or Lamb, I just went up a little bit and got Higgins. And that was a difficult decision this year. But that seems to be working out so far uh, in general. Like, um, he, Claypool now, apparently, um, but also Jefferson and C.D. Lamb, they're all having rookie years to die for. Not 2014 top 12 years, but these are near perfect, as far as I can tell, what you would want from a like uh, a guy who's going to be a dynasty asset from years to come kind of rookie seasons. That's pretty great to see. Um, Did you have any strong opinions on T Higgins coming into this year's draft? Yeah. So I had him as a tier one um, player for me. So I only had uh, four guys uh, tier one um, with, with uh, Jalen Rager actually being the odd man out in, in my tier one, um, you know, it happens. 
Um, <laughs> um, that man. But, but you know, I I like T. Higgins. I thought um, I thought it was very clear how important he was to to Clemson. Um, you know, watching the uh, the semifinal game um, when or was it the final game? Yeah, against one of them this past season, um, he got hurt and the whole offense just started to sputter. Um, as soon as T Higgins got back in the lineup, then things really um, started going again for Clemson. So it was clear to see that he was important to their college team, a team that had so much success um, through multiple years. And then he comes to the NFL and continues that success. Um, you know, that's, that's what we look for um, guys that are in good situations um, with teams that are going to throw are usually going to get your wide receivers more fantasy points. Um, and it's clear that, that T Higgins is doing that right now. All right. Um, so why did you guys in the Devi community spend three years telling me to trade all of my value for running backs in this year's class? Like, that's the question I've been wanting to ask Devi people. Cause like it was, it was loud and like Clyde Edwards Hilaire who was succeeding is now getting Levy on build, and Jonathan Taylor keeps dropping down to almost no work, and then some work, and then a lot of work, and then no work, and it's not a top 12. And, like, all the other running backs are dead, as far as I can see. Why was I meant to trade for running backs in this class when all these white receivers are here that you knew about? What happened, Devi guy? Um, you know, <laughs> part of it is is we trust our process. Um <laughs> At at Don't, some point, right? It, we it have, went we wrong. Have to, well, you know, it's we're still playing dynasty. Um, you know, we know that these that the running backs didn't hit right away, and um, especially when with guys like J.K. Dobbins and uh, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, um, that was going to be a possibility, right? That they come in and aren't automatically the bell cow running back. Um, especially on some teams that don't really want a bell cut running back. That, See, I don't that often... know about that because the whole argument with running backs is they produce early. And we heard about how great they were. And that's why we would take running backs over wide receivers. They produce yeah. early. They're more important to fantasy. If these guys like weren't good enough to take over an offense with Marlon Mack on the or offense, why, why were you considering them over T. Higgins, who you just said is your favorite wide receiver ever, as far as I can tell, <laughs> and Justin Jefferson, who, you know, is amazing, and C.D. Lant, like, what went wrong in the process here that mid-tier running backs got elevated? I, and it's not that they were elevated. I understand that running backs produce early. Now that seems like a little bit of an excuse to say, well, we knew they might not. I mean, we wouldn't, they shouldn't be top-tier running backs if they can't make that happen because of Mark Ingram and Marlon Mack, and um, or the ghost of Todd Gurley, I guess, or the presence of Daryl Henderson, who couldn't do it over Todd Gurley. That's the one. Um, but if all these top tier wide receiver prospects are in there, like I didn't hear that, and the the volume of trade for twenty twenty picks because of the running backs was like in, like louder than I've ever heard the Devi community shout about what the Dynasty community should do. And like, I know, I know, it seemed seemed to go a little sideways there. I'm just kind of laying it all at your feet and just blaming Devi people. Everyone understands this is unfair, Kane. It's not true, but it's more entertaining way of saying, damn, I missed out on so many wide receivers because I drafted running backs. Go. (laughs) 
you're not the only one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, like, especially when you're a Debbie guy and you've been, I think that's some of the issues with, with Debbie people, right? Is like when you draft JK Dobbins as a freshman or a sophomore um, and he's accruing all that value, you're like, all right, I'm riding this one until the end, right? right? Like this is going to be my guy. And then, you know, he gets drafted by Baltimore and you're like, oh, this is a perfect landing spot. As soon as, you know, middle midway through the season, he's going to totally bypass Mark Ingram and be, be the guy and this Gus Edwards fella is not going to be anywhere <laughs> in the picture, Edwards, right? <laughs> Gus right. And then, the and then all of a sudden, <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, um, that's not happening right now. Right. Um, JK Dobbins getting three targets and one carry um, in their fifth game. Isn't exactly. Yeah. One carry it. for 34 yards or 32 yeah. yards or whatever it was. And, it's like, well, you just saw him do that. Well, why aren't you doing that more? More of that. More um, more of that, please. <laughs> yeah, you saw him do well. More, please. And and so yeah, I think I think it might be a hair too early to uh to say that that was what I'm asking for. I, I need to know that there's still hope that these running backs don't have top twenty four ceilings and I didn't just give up on the you know, the next best class since 2018. See the way I slipped that in there. Um, at wide receiver for top 24 running backs, because that, that would just break my heart, Kane. So you still think there's hope here. Dobbins, Cam Akers, live, right? Yeah, I think Cam Akers was actually incredibly efficient this past weekend, um, coming back from a rib injury as well. Um, so I think Cam Akers has a ton of hope. I think you have to have hope for DeAndre Swift, knowing that everyone's going to be fired in Detroit after this season. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> I feel great knowing that. So, um, you know, I think, I think we just have to hold out a little bit more hope. And um, I think they're going to accrue a little more value, um, but I think it's going to be slow. Uh, and you so if you want, what's that? You don't think the points are coming? They're not going to David Johnson and ride us into our fantasy championships during the playoffs? Because that's kind of what he did. Um, I think if if anyone's going to do that, it's probably going to be Cam Akers. If I had to make an assertion between those three guys. Good name. I like it. Um, but I think, I don't think the fantasy points are going to come for these guys in the next like four or five weeks, barring... Uh, a major injury to one of the other running backs in that in that running back room, unfortunately. No, I think that's fair. I do. You just got to keep writing. When you're seeing good things, but the volume isn't there, it's always rough because the volume usually, especially at wide receiver, usually indicates talent with an adjustment for where they're playing in their career. But unfortunately, a lot of these bets we make at the start of a season, you can't, the best thing to do is to ride it that's where the ultimate value is which is kind of what you need to hopefully help you win or at least push you into a better position or even if it's just accrue the most value so you can make the most moves to try and improve for next season the rookie bets are always long term we think of them as um easy to flip values but in practice it's actually relatively hard to trade a player away for what you think is fair value or um, trade for a player, 
at what you think is fair value early on in their career because everyone knows or everyone feels invested or everyone feels like they want to see the other part of the story. And so rookies are almost hard to get that value out of. Um, right. Because I, I hear all the time people saying, you know, trade for this player, this player. Um, is the ultimate answer in Dynasty here, Kane, just to always trade for the player that no one likes? Is that basically our answer? <laughs> like, who does everyone hate? Uh, yeah, that's a league winner right there. That's the one, the one no one thinks is going to do it. That's the guy, yeah. Yeah, and then until you see about uh, 80 people have one tweet about about this player, right? And they're like, oh, I was right all along. When I said this guy could be a breakout potentially if these four things happen. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> and we're well, always going to see that, but that. right. It's like, yeah, so I'm, that's my new plan, right? In the third or fourth round, everyone that find who everyone hates and it's like, well, it's got to work at some point, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm advocating a new way where you actually do what you say you're going to do and you oh, stand okay. on these hills and you ride these trains into the ground. I'm a proud owner of many, many Rashad Penny shares just rotting at the end of my bench. And like, I feel like I've earned, uh, earned uh, the uh, reputation to be able to call out everyone and say, look, if you like them, just keep liking them. And if it doesn't work out, you didn't work out, but at least you know you're stuck by your word. You're stuck by your rank. Not really. We should probably shift our ranks a lot more than we do. Um, but it's really kind of hit and miss um to do that if you if you're basing your opinion on a solid process you really should just keep writing it and it's not only the path to the ultimate upside but it is the most likely way that you're going to find the best upside because well if you have a solid process to begin with it should win out above 50 percent of the time so i'm still holding on to mccam acres and my clyde edwards lair shares but it's getting rough out there just kind of enjoying the wide receiver party for this year um I guess that leads us on to, if it leads us on to anything, is next year's class a running back or a wide receiver class? Which is it more stopped by, Kane? Uh, probably wide receivers. Um, I think there realistically, 10 or 11 wide receivers could go in the first two rounds. Um, there's a ton of good wide receivers, and um, and all of them are much different from one another which I think is also a little bit exciting. Um, right. You know, then you then you really get into what kind of guy do you like? Do you like kind of the guys that um, can not only just take screens, but also take some handoffs and um, are really great in, in the open field? Or are you someone who really likes guys that um, – that 50 50 balls become 80 20 balls. Like there's also some of those guys in this class as well. So it's, it's really just finding out what you like in, in a receiver. And um, like I said earlier, I think five or six guys get drafted in the first round here. Um, you know, that's probably your uh, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, um, Jamar Chase, who's probably going to go at like six or seven crazy high. Some, we haven't seen a wide receiver go that high in, in a little while. Um, so that's probably going to happen. You have Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, both from Alabama. Then you have Terrace Marshall from LSU. And realistically, all six of those guys could go in the first round. I think that's an awesome round to our show here where, you know, we start talking about the class. We talk about how the 2020 class has actually worked out and how it's been, you know, kind of 
shaking and then we just start the process on again for 2021 that's a great thing man there's no off season but also this stuff it just doesn't stop we just keep going around the merry-go-round because we enjoy the merry-go-round i guess right. <laughs> i really appreciate yeah enlightening me i would say you just said something that kind of like that's a good ending so i gotta ruin it do you think that's another type of wide receiver we're starting to see come up from the college game? R- wide receivers who rush one to five times. So you've got LaVisca Chenault and apparently Chase Claypool starting a revolution here because you mentioned a few in this class that might be of that ilk. Um, yeah, so I think I think guys are just getting a lot more versatile. Um, and not just that, but offensive play calling is, is getting better. Um, you know, it's not just the, it's, you know, like we've seen before on many teams, it's the three yards in a cloud of dust. And if you do that all the way down the field, you're going to score a touchdown. Um, you know, people are just getting better. And these wide receivers are coming in faster, stronger, bigger. Um, so they're able to do that earlier in their, in their career. And with guys that, you know, are slightly undersized, like a Rondell Moore, the more you can get them into space and use use their innate skills rather than, you know, relying on them to make deep contested catches against guys that are much bigger than them, um, that's when they're going to find a little more success. So um, it, like I like to say, I want to see how it progresses into the NFL and see what offensive coordinator they have. Um, but at the same point, you know, we're Debbie guys, so we have, I have to, you know, plant my flag as early as possible on some of these guys, um, which, you know, sometimes get me gets me into a problem. I love it, man. I can't wait to have you back on, you know, week six of 2021 to hold you to account for not perfectly predicting the future all over again. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, I can't believe you signed up to try and perfectly predict the future. And uh, I get to call you wrong for not knowing it. It's pretty, it's pretty Perfect. easy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's really fun to talk to you, Kane, again. Um, appreciate it, dude. Um, what are you up to? Is there anything you need to tell people about other than the Dynasty Devi Marketplace podcast? I got that name really wrong on the DLF <laughs> network. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's the Devi Marketplace. Um, check it out. It's fun. We're at least having fun. Um, it doesn't matter who listens to it. At least we're going to be able to talk nonsense. Um, and you can hear us make up weird names for all these players because it's difficult for us to remember 890 names of all of these players that <laughs> we try to remember every single day. Um, but yeah, we also have a, a Patreon. If you want to get more of our rankings, more of our, um, if you want a chat directed just towards Devi, you can join that. That's the Devi marketplace as well. Um, or you can just look for some of my writing at DLF, which I should have some articles hopefully coming out soon. Awesome, man. Can't wait to check it out. Uh, appreciate you coming on again, Kane, and uh, thanks, everyone, for checking it out. I told you I'd get a guest. I promised, and I, I followed through. Knew it. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. 
picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.